teclado. ¿no? <risa> <risa> okay, okay, okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you can say amen. amen. You can say praise the Lord too. I just... Uh, gonna give myself a little treat this afternoon, if that's all right. I'm just gonna share some of my reflections the last few months on just one verse in uh, Matthew chapter 5. We, do you remember we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, we looked at the Beatitudes, and sometimes you can move on from things too quickly, and sometimes you need to let them permeate and dwell in you. And one thing I find, one of the drawbacks of speaking, if I can call it that, is often I find when I speak, I then lose the preciousness of what I've just been thinking on, and I'm just praying I don't lose the preciousness of this. So Father, we just thank you that you sent your Son to earth to speak words of life. And Lord, let there be words of life today, we pray. Thank you for such a beautiful time we've had so far. And Lord, just come and yeah, open our hearts, open our lives. Amen. Amen. So the verse I'm just going to touch on is this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Just the first word there, blessed. Uh, that's, that's a condition. Jesus is saying, if you are pure in heart, and that is itself a gift of God. That is the outwork of God's grace in our lives. That itself is a picture of the kingdom of God, a picture of Jesus. He said, that is such a blessed place to be. It's, you're happy, you're fortunate, you're fulfilled. You're to be envied in a good way, blessed. So he's actually showing some of the pearls some of the riches of the kingdom. And he's saying, you know, if you've got a purity of heart, you're blessed. So the pure in heart then, it's a heavenly characteristic, it's a God-given picture of Jesus. What is purity of heart? It's being free from mixed and wrong motivations. It's being single-hearted in a good way. It's being single-minded in a positive, holy, wholesome way. So here we see the blessed, the blessing of a pure heart is to see God. The blessing of a pure heart is to see God. And that's the why, that's why those with a pure heart are so blessed because they will see God. So God has linked these two things quite often in scripture, a pure heart and seeing God. So the reward, the inheritance, the prize, and it's a very God-centered prize, which may only really be valued by the pure in heart. Because if you don't value this, your heart is probably not very pure. That's all of us. We're in a process here. But the blessing of a pure heart, the prize, the reward, is to see God. It's a very God-centered prize, isn't it? 
It's a joyful delight in God to be able to see his true nature, his character, the perfection of his beauty. So just as an illustration, and both Mel and Joy has already mentioned this, but what is it in creation that gives you delight when you see it? What in creation gives you delight when you see it? So I'm going to open you up a little bit here just to tell me what stirs you when you see it. I mean, yesterday we were walking, as Joy mentioned, and just in a field and we saw five or six of those little munchak deer. And it was a thrill to see them because they were wild and they were free mm. and they were there and they were part of God's creation. They were untrammeled, they weren't captured, they mm. were free. It's a thrill to see something wild and free. And those in my small group, my little small group, will know that I was very captivated by the pictures of that volcano in Iceland. I don't know if you saw the pictures of that. If you haven't, you must look at it. There's, they got a little one of those drones to go over the volcano. I can't even begin to pronounce the place that it was. <laughs> it's about 14 miles from Reykjavik, and that's the best that I can get. Oh, I showed them twice. I couldn't get away with showing them once. It was just the volcanic uh, fire, molten, was just bubbling up inside the volcano and it was then flowing out of it. And it was um, pure energy, molten, burning lava flowing like a river. And the, the psalm says the mountains melt like wax before the presence of God. And it was like this sort of mountain was melting like wax and just flowing down and it stirred my heart. So what stirs your heart? When you see it. I mean what a time of the blossom. Does that stir your heart? Do you just find yourself staring at the blossom? What do you what stirs your heart, Trace? Um, when the sun's going down. Yeah. Just the sky. The sky. We've seen some amazing sunsets, haven't we, in the springtime. Yeah. <clears throat> so what else stirs your heart? What's what stirs your heart when you look at it? There's a uh, bay tree in our back garden. You start off like that, this massive man. Yeah. And every year, there's a bird's nest in there. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we could just see the mother or the father just oh. dashing off, getting twigs and stuff, coming back. Yeah. That stirs. You try not to disturb it. It's, it's yeah. tempting to go and look at it. but It does stir you, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. It, you're right. Pamela, what stirs your heart? The tree just landing in our garden every Tom, what stirs your heart in creation? Um, when things look nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder beauty. Beauty. Especially yeah. like you know, colours in the sky at night, like you yeah. were saying. Uh -huh. And when things are just somehow they just go together in yeah. a way that feels so perfect and bright. Wonderful. Um, mm. That just stirs, stirs the heart. It's an awesome moment, isn't it? Yeah, the sunsets. Just a little story. My father was, uh, must have been 21, 22. He's in the RAF serving in India in the Second World War. And he, he got malaria and uh, they thought he, he was about to die. 
and they, they gave him, you know, they gave you one last request. What is it you'd like to see? What, you know, not much you can do. And he said, I'd love to see a sunset. So they actually got his bed and moved it outside so he could see the sunset. Wow. And uh, as you guessed, he didn't die because you know, I'm here. Praise the Lord. So praise the Lord. But there's something awesome in just beholding, isn't it? The glory of God. Praise God. Yeah, a river flowing, a waterfall. It, it stirs you to wonder at the unseen, to glimpse at the awesome majesty of God. So the scripture tells us that the creation speaks of his glory. And it also tells us that it reveals his character and his nature. And, and as you see it, you kind of want to reach out for it, don't you? Well, we must realize, and I'm sure you do know this, that God is spirit. And he doesn't have a form in the shape of what he has made. This is where so many religions of the world go wrong. They think that God is in what he has made. And they worship what they see, they worship. But what God has made is like an imprint or a reflection of the nature of the one who made it. But it isn't the one who made it. It's just out of his creativity, out of his imagination, out of his indescribable character and his longing and willing to make himself known, that he has made all that we see and we see beauty. And we see in spring, we see such wonderful things. And that comes out of the awesome thing that is winter really as well. So how can his indescribable character be explained? Well, as I said, it, it, it's seen an imprint is seen in what he has made. And the Bible has a word to describe God's presence. I think we just sang it, which, which it talks about his glory. The glory of God. The glory of God is, is something that represents the indescribableness of God, the presence of God, the, the yeah, the essence of his being and presence is his glory. And it seems in the natural world, the closest thing that we have to a physical manifestation of God's glory is light. And so much so that John says in his, his epistle that God is light. And in him, there's no darkness at all. And maybe that's why we love to see the sunset and the sunrise because it's, it's the manifestation of light, the manifestation of his glory and his presence and um, as Joyce says we've been reading through the book of Acts and a bit of a trailer for this week Paul was on the road to Damascus and he saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun it was midday and I can tell you the sun is bright in the Middle East and he saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun and Ananias said to him, you've seen the righteous one. And he was blinded by the light. And he later wrote that God dwells in unapproachable light. He said, no one has seen God or can see God because he dwells in this unapproachable light. And yet he says, and he did see the righteous one. Which then just brings me to the mystery of the incarnation of God becoming flesh in Christ. Glory of God taking on flesh. The glory being revealed in the earthly body of Jesus. The glory of the incarnation of becoming and God becoming a man was not 
seen in his physicality. Many people say they wish they'd seen Jesus. But the glory of God was not in the contours of his face or the shape of his beard or the richness of his voice or the texture of his hair which would have been dark by the way <clears throat> or the colour or quality of his skin which would have been olive or his physical strength or his height the glory of God was not seen in those things John was lost for words almost to describe them and all he could say was this in him was life was life and the light of all mankind it's the only way he could describe him in him was life and the light of all mankind and in his epistle he wrote these words the life appeared We've seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen. What did they see through the veil of his flesh, his body? They saw the life of God. They saw something of the compassion of God. They saw his controlled, gentle strength. They saw his truthfulness. They saw his yielded obedience. They saw the depth of his character. They saw his understanding. They saw his peace. They saw his perception, his wisdom, his goodness, his right way of living, his warmth, his freedom, his joy. His deep and selfish sorrow. Sometimes we're sorrowful because we're sorrow for ourselves. We pity ourselves. But when Christ was sorrowful, it was a deep and selfish sorrow. They saw his perception, his love, and we could go on and on. And I'd love to go around the room just to ask you what they saw. And then I'd like to ask you another question. Have you seen that? You didn't see his face. You didn't see the strength of his arms. But have you seen his faithfulness? Have you seen his compassion? Have you seen his mercy? Have you seen his joy? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Have you seen him? <coughs> could answer that question if you like. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What a wonderful statement. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The glory of God was known in the person of Jesus Christ and the apostles saw it but when they did they said these words we have seen his glory which brings me back to the text blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God but this is our both our future hope and our present prayer 
Sometimes it's nice to look at the end of the book, isn't it? Revelation 22, verse 14. And they will see his face. But it's our present hope as well, isn't it? The scripture tells us that we see him now, but it's like a dark glass, a dim view, a poor reflection. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says these words, for now we see only a reflection as in a polished bronze mirror. Then we shall see to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I'm fully known. Now we look through the eyes of faith. Now we see in part and understand as a child does our world. Now we know only a small part, but then we shall see face to face. We shall see his face. So knowing God, seeing God is the great reward for the pure in heart. It's the great reward, seeing him, knowing him. So what do we understand by purity? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In a marriage relationship, in a love relationship, which has many similarities sometimes to our spiritual relationship with God, we might say purity is having eyes only for that one, delighting in the other, simple love. David prayed these words in Psalm 86. He said, God, unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to love your name. A heart divided, which is what we often are and manifest, is a heart that has more than one love, more than one object. And his prayer was, unite my heart to fear your name. Simple love and approaching having the other to yourself as long as you both shall live. So we might apply these to our purity to God, simple, exclusive love and devotion. In our relationship with each other, we might define purity as being devoid of malice and wrong motive, wanting the best, or as Evan said last week, loving our neighbor as ourselves, free from corruption and evil intent. What Jesus was saying was not new. Psalm 24 says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. So this is a kingdom blessing. How can I see myself who is and, and, and struggles with all the kind of division of impure thinking and so forth? How can I, you might say, and me in my prayer, how can I become pure? How can we see him, who, we who are so corrupted, and I was just want to read 1 Corinthians 6 to you, just verse 11. It says these words. It says, don't you know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Couldn't wait to get there and such were we we were all in that condition somewhere yeah. Yeah. and then it says but do you love the word but you do don't you Kate? yes but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the lord jesus and by the spirit of our god so we must stand if you like on the finished work of the cross the blood of jesus and the indwelling of his spirit because the scripture tells us without holiness, finish the verse for me, Beth. Without holiness, 
Can someone finish the verse for me? Hebrews 12. We cannot see God. Yeah, without holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. We want to see Jesus. Amen. Do we want to see Jesus? Yes, we do. The pure in heart will see God. It's like a child. A child's got such purity. It gets up to all sorts of things, don't they, all the time. You know that. But in essence, there's such purity in their hearts. Mm. And they see God so easily sometimes. Mm. And that's that purity and simplicity that we pray for, that we might see Him. And this is the importance of our being born again, the new birth, and walking in it. And we can't do this, but ourselves but we must walk with the holy spirit to do this john wrote these words when christ appears we should be like him for we shall see him as he is and all who have this hope in themselves purify themselves as he is pure so we can reach out and look for this god we just pray just oh lord don't let a wrong motivation a wrong attitude any hatred for anybody dislike in my heart because all it's going to do is block my vision of you and I don't I can't afford that and I don't want it for a single day I want to see you Lord I want to be in relationship with you blessed are the pure in heart that they shall see God life is full of experience isn't it some of them are really really tough I could look at every single person in this room and I could know that you know that life is tough If we invite Jesus into, uh, into those tough situations, it's almost like God has designed tough situations to purify our hearts. Does anyone actually believe that? Yes. It's almost like God has designed tough situations to purify our hearts. We have a choice in every crisis. Either we let it depress us, harden us and destroy us, or we invite Jesus into it for him to walk with us and purify us. And the promise in Malachi is this, that he will be like a refiner's fire. He will be like a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and make them like gold and silver. Then they will bring pure offerings in righteousness. So he is the purifier. He has promise to deliver his promise a blessing if we let him blessed are the pure in heart that's his gift that's what he does he will purify our hearts and then there's the promise the blessing and that's the blessing really above every blessing that we want in our lives and for eternity that we will see the one who is who is above everything and is so can see in perception in all that he has made the beauty and the glory of God which will again transform our hearts and lives so let's just pray God in heaven we thank you for this kingdom life that you've given us that you've blessed us oh God with every spiritual blessing 
and the blessing Lord of, of purifying our thoughts and our lives and our attitudes and our conduct and our ways even as the disciples looked at Jesus and said in him is life in him is the light of all men and Lord our prayer is that this blessing would work out in our lives that we would embrace the purity of heart that we might see you that we might know you that we might love you we pray this in Jesus name Amen. 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 Lord, I don't want to lose any of that. I want to keep all of it. Because <laughs> I want to walk in it. Amen. And I pray that you'll just get hold of it too. I'm sure you already have. The painful times just work something in us. If we let them, nobody wants them. Some of my personal prayer to God is, is, and I sometimes I regret praying this, God, whatever it takes, change my heart. And I remind myself when I'm going through difficult times, I say, God, I did pray that. I did pray that. And yes, Lord, I do mean that. Break the stony heart from within me. Amen. Go on, we'll